The following Truth Barista podcast is a High Beam Ministry production. So the email reads, when praying for a need or an answer to prayer, does fasting really help? Jesus told the disciples that one kind of demon could only be removed by fasting and praying. Well, fasting does help in certain situations. In the Old Testament, for example, you'll remember that Nehemiah prayed and fasted before he confronted the king with what he desired. Daniel, in seeking the Lord's wisdom and guidance for timing about prophecy, he fasted and prayed. In the early church, before they sent out Barnabas and Saul, the scripture says they were fasting and praying. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives instruction, clear instruction about fasting and praying. And if you'll notice what he says, he says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the appearance of the hypocrites and so forth. And what I want you to notice here, he says, when you fast, that is, fasting is not commanded for the believer. So the question is, how does fasting help? Well, one of the most important things it does is this. It increases our sense of humility and dependence upon the Lord. Truth is getting harder to find today, but there is no shortage of it here on the Truth Parisa podcast. Spread the word. We deal with the uncompromised truth in every podcast. We are a High Beam Ministry production. Welcome to the Airzats Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your truth barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H-I-G-H-B-E-A-M ministry.com, as in car high beam. We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. Oh, truth breeze. Oh, I'm am I'm I'm sorry. Did I interrupt you? I, I didn't mean to interrupt your prayer time. No, I just took a few minutes. Here. Oh, okay. Well, I did notice you were glowing a little bit, and I thought I better come over and see if you were on fire or something, you know, uh, unbeknown to yourself. But you're such you're such a dummy. <laughs> I know it. I know it. You are such an idiot. You Well, you know that's uh, you know that's just my nature. God made me this way. But you know, we're going to talk about <laughs> prayer today, and I have to tell you, as you know, I've been uh, sick lately with COVID. And uh, sorry, I wasn't in here for a few days, but I feel good, and prayer played a big part in my recovery. I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. Me and the whole staff, we've been praying for you, and uh, we're glad to see you on your feet. It's been kind of fun because I decided to add a little fasting to my praying No, this time around. Fasting. And I kind of figured since we were in the Bible study, you know, we were talking about praying, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, why don't we go and do some fasting? Because that's what follows right after what we're talking about with prayer. So you'll notice I've just been drinking coffee today mm. and no kolaches. Oh, say it'll help our profit line by you not <laughs> eating them. But here's the, here's the deal. Fasting has always been an intrigue to me, and I've fasted a few times, never understood it. So this will be really good. One thing I learned at the end of the Lord's Prayer was, you know, if we don't forgive others their sins, then our sins won't be forgiven. I mean, that's kind of a really eye-opener, isn't it? Yeah. Well, when you consider that Isaiah says, your sins have separated you from God, 
And Peter talks about how husbands and wives should forgive each other, lest our prayers be hindered. We begin to realize that our sin state, if you want to call it that way, unconfessed sin, inhibits our connection to God. So when we pray, it's really it's really fascinating that Jesus puts the entire prerequisite for answered or heard prayers at the end of this Lord's Prayer pattern. He puts it on forgiving others. And we need to be forgiven of our sins. And he goes, but that's not enough. You need to forgive other people the sins that they've committed against you. Once the pipeline's open, now God will listen and heed and hear our prayers. And, and it's just mind-blowing when you really look at that as such a pivot point. Well, I have a great responsibility as an individual to forgive you all the things that you say to me all the time. You know, like, you know, get to work. You know what I mean? I mean, I got to forgive you for that, even though you're that's, probably right that's as not a boss. sin. That's a responsibility. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I'm calling okay. you a dummy. You're like, I repent of that. I won't right, call you well, that I anymore because you're not. I know. You're actually a pretty smart guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, can we get going here? Sure. I haven't learned a thing. I just wanted to rehash this a little bit to kind of, you know, bring you and I up to speed here because we were talking about prayer, that there are wrong motives and right motives. And the wrong motives is praying to be seen. Got it? Mm -hmm. That's recognition before relationship. The right motivation is I'm praying because I want to talk to God. It's part of my relationship with him. Okay. And the verses seven through eight, Matthew 6 has to do with wrong way and the right way to pray. Because Jesus says, don't be babbling like the pagans do, thinking that they're going to be heard for their many words. You know, and that's true because, you know, when you look at many religious prayer practices, you've got prayer wheels that they spin between their hands or they put up prayer flags that flap in the breeze. So, you know what, you're going to make an inanimate object do your praying for you. There's no relationship in that, you know. And then you still have babbling. If I just pester God enough, or if I just say the right words enough, that's not praying. That's almost like kind of a magic act or trying to manipulate God. And the sad part is, and I'm really kind of cautious when I say this, the sad part is that type of practice has worked its way into church life, into Christians' lives, because we see people who do vain repetitions as a useless repetition. So, you know, for example, some of my Catholic friends, I'm not slamming all Catholics, but some of my Catholic friends, when it comes to prayer, they said, well, I did for our fathers because I did a bad thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, well, I thought confession was the thing that God wants you to do because it says in 1 John 1, 8, 9, uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't say if you repeat the Lord's prayer verbatim mm-hmm. four times, he'll forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then there's the, I mean, at least the Lord's prayer is scripture, but then you get to the Hail Mary, you know, Hail Mary full of grace. It's based on the Annunciation, I think it is, when Mary receives the word from Gabriel. But even the, the Hail Mary is just a vain repetition. You know, what are you really saying? Just saying words. Well, it's penance, so it's just like, you know, it's kind of like punishment in a sense. Well, it well, is. And like because, you and I said the last mm-hmm. time, are we making prayer a punishment? Is that the purpose of prayer? Well, that's why you're saying it so many times. I mean, I used to come out of the, the confessional, and I remember I had to say the Lord's Prayer a hundred times. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's how bad I was. Oh, wow. What, I I, what a world-class sinner you were. There. I was. I had gold stars for being a sinner, that's for sure. So your reviews in heaven were, you know, like, you know, five pitchforks, right? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of gold stars. 
<laughs> Instead of a blue check center, you're a black check center, and there you're you know, you're right up there. Okay, now anyway, but it is funny too. You know why turn prayer into a punishment, or why turn prayer into a manipulation to get yourself in favor with God? So this is what Jesus is talking about. Don't do that. And then he gives us this great pattern, which we call the Lord's Prayer. And we talked about last time was actually the the disciples' prayer because they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Mm -hmm. Well, what a perfect person to pray because he knows exactly how to talk to his father. And Jesus' prayers were always answered because he always prayed according to his father's will. So when you think about that, look at at the pattern. Our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name, okay, or or make your name holy, okay, our Father in heaven, may your name be honored as holy. So verse 9 is talking about we recognize him as supreme. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we recognize him as supreme, and immediately we put our will under his will. Hmm. So now we've positioned ourselves the way Jesus positioned himself to be able to pray according to his father's will. Then you get to verse 11, and I I love that. Give us today our daily bread. Notice it doesn't say give me my daily bread. This is a really Jewish way of looking at it because it's plural. It's typically Jewish focusing on the group rather than the individual. And that kind of gives some people the idea, some scholars who looked at that going, oh, then is this pattern that Jesus giving is giving them. It's not a pattern for individuals first. It's a pattern for the group to pray. Hmm. That's very so good. when you disciples get together, this is how you're going to pray. Father, we want you to be supreme. Father, we want to pray according to your will. Father, we ask that you'd give our, our group everything that we need. I had never really saw the us as being we. I always thought us meaning being me. I mean, <laughs> that's how I always interpret it. Me. But, you know, it's not a bad interpretation because no, we do need that. That's true. You know, one okay. of the things I figured out with prayer, as, as I just want to insert this as we're going along here, Tripista, you have children, I have children. You know, when children don't call us for a length of time, we really feel kind of bad about that, right? And I think yeah. the same thing is true with prayer with God. It's no different that we don't talk to him and dial him up in prayer. He feels probably slighted by that. You know, if he's supposed to be, you know, supreme and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I mean, I would think we'd want to talk to him. And, you know, we want to have this, you know, this conversation, uh, this relationship we say we have with him. And so often our prayer time doesn't really extend itself into that type of relationship. In fact, other than praying for grace over food or something, we never talk to him. I wonder what he thinks about that. Well, you know, I'm kind of thinking of the old movie thing, or you've seen it on TV, where somebody comes up to one guy and he goes, hey, call your mother, she worries. You know, (laughs) that kind of thing. Yeah. But it does bring up a couple of points. And the one is, is our father knows everything we are going through at at that point. So it's Mm -hmm. not that he's worried for us. He loves us. And he wants us to talk. And so that's always out there. And every once in a while, the Holy Spirit taps us and says, hey, your father wants to hear from you. That's good. And so we really need to be sensitive and aware to when the Holy Spirit is, is tapping on us, saying, mm-hmm. you don't talk to your father about this. <laughs> okay. Number two is you put it in terms of 
the parent is worried and hasn't heard from the child. Well, what about the child who hasn't heard from the parent? And there are some times when as Christians, don't we kind of kvetch a little bit, complain or get a little, I haven't heard from my father for a while. And I think, have you talked to him lately? It's not like he shut his door, except we get back to the has sin interrupted your relationship with him or has your fixation on the world dulled your ears so that you can't hear your father? Well, that's true. Sometimes we're expecting an answer from him in a specific way, and it doesn't come that way. In other words, his response is, have patience, not yet. And so we interpret that as, well, you're not answering my prayer the way I want you to answer it. You know, so there's a patience in waiting, a patience for God's perfect will, because we're praying that early on, right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And maybe his will isn't quite right, ready to be brought into place. I don't know. Yeah, it's not the right way. It's not the right time. Yeah, this is why in that verse, verse 10, we subsume, we put our will under his will. So we recognize him as supreme. We put his will as priority. We ask for our provision and verse 12 and and forgive. And here's the plural, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. That can be a singular, that can be a plural thing as well. And so in that case, in verse 12, you could look at as, you know, I repent now release me. And God says, okay, repent and release others. And once we get that, now we pray for protection. Now, that's an interesting connection, don't you think? We have to release others, then we can be protected. Does that mean if we hold others' sins against them, we are exposing ourselves to the enemy attack? Because now we are in sin by holding grudges against other people. Something to think about. But those kinds of things are very emotional. I can think back on things that people have done to me that are very emotional, I mean, almost dishonoring, and down to the core of my soul sometimes, you know, and that is so hard, Truth Barista, to just say, oh, you messed me over tremendously. You made me lose some kind of a, a possession or something, and now I'm just supposed to just wash it away as if nothing ever happened. You know, I don't know. That's, that, those are really hard ones. That's a subject for another extended discussion, but I really understand what you're saying because there are things that are coming back in my mind, and and I have to continually go back and say, there's nothing I can do about that, so Lord, I'm just going to put that in your hands. You know, I forgive that person. I'm going to let you deal with them. That's kind of the best way Mm -hmm. I can handle it because forgiveness really is I'm taking it out of my hands Mm -hmm. and I'm putting it into you. Well, they're in your hands. Would you please crush them, Lord? No, no, that's not... (laughs) Totally the wrong moment. Well, you know something, Truth Barista? It seems to me that King David wrote something in the Psalms about that, right? Go get them, God. You don't crush them. I mean, he did pray that, right? Well, those are called imprecatory Psalms, and they are prayers that God would, you know, execute his justice against the wicked. But it's not my justice against the wicked. Yeah, David is going, Lord, execute your justice against the wicked, and I'll be happy. (laughs) There you go. Well, you know what I'll be happy doing, though? Seriously, there's justice justice that needs to be done right now, right this moment, and that justice has to do with Java, our cups of coffee, because I'm out of what I'm drinking Wow, that was as smooth as the Sumatra you're going to bring me. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. You know, sometimes I think I've heard everything. 
And then I came across the High Beam Ministry website. I was blown away. I had no idea how much I could learn about God, the Bible, and life issues from the weekly Truth Barista podcast and Frothy Thoughts blog. Yep, there it was. Riveting discussions, incredible Bible studies, and even a few really dumb jokes. And now I don't want to miss one podcast or one blog post drop. So I hit the subscribe button on the webpage. Now when I get a weekly email notice of a new podcast or blog post, I grab a cup of joe and settle down for some scintillating insights. Why don't you do the same? Go to highbeamministry.com. All one word, highbeamministry.com, as in car high beams. Check it out. Hey, you kids, get off my lawn. We are presenting God's truth for our day. You're listening to The Truth Barista, a production of highbeamministry.com. Okay. Wow, that was good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm still laughing about that that whole praying damnation and hellfire down on the wicked. We remind me, we should do a Bible study just on the imprecatory psalms. That would be a uh, number one scary, but number two, I think it would be very hilarious at times. It's like, can we really pray this stuff? Well, you know, it's human nature, right? I mean, it really is human nature unplugged, right? It's just who we are at the at our core, you know, sinful yep. core. So, okay, so let's move on. Okay, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And thirteen, do not bring us into the. And it says temptation, but we talked about this. This is the test. We know that God tests us, but we're asking him, don't bring us into unnecessary tests. But even if we're in the test, help us get through it and deliver us from the evil one. Please keep Satan from taking advantage of the test. Or if we're in temptation, get us out of the temptation and deliver us from the evil one, Hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And that completes the pattern for the Lord's Prayer. Pretty cool, huh? Oh, I, I love it. It's it's so good. And when you so, break it down that simple, it really is a simple prayer, even though we've made it sort of, we say it by rote, right? Rote by rote all the way through. But really, you know, when you look at the intent, you know, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, think about that. God, you've got to be first in my decisions. You have to be first in, in what I'm thinking about and where I'm going and where my my goals in life, my objectives. All of that has to first come in line with you and your will. I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal when you really think about it. So instead of praying the Lord's Prayer by rote, Pray the Lord's Prayer by category. That's what I mean. Perfect. Yep. And you can spend minutes, hours on each category. And speaking minutes and hours where our Bible study is running out and I need to move along here, I wanted to really talk about fasting today. Oh, goody. Something I'm very unfamiliar with. And it's something I don't like to do, frankly. You can tell by my girth. (laughs) Yeah, I love to eat. Patty, fatty, two by four. Hardly fitted through the door. I'm just saying fasting, you know, I don't like to fast, but one of the key things I want to just share with you is if I initiate a fast, I often find I get a headache. 
or it's very uncomfortable for me, I can do it. I find I have to drink a lot of water. I have to kind of run up to it, so to speak, work into it and then work out of it. And they can be short or longer fasts. I've done, I've done a whole month of type of a fast where I have not cut my hair. I did a Nazarite type vow from number six where I didn't cut my hair. I didn't drink any alcohol according, and I didn't touch any dead bodies. But when we had talked about that previously, it's basically you shut yourself in with God. That's the hair thing. You stay away from sin. That's touching a dead body. And you stay away from things that lead you into sin, Mm. which is like the alcohol, that type stuff. Well, I did that for a month and I got done with that fast And it was amazing how spiritually sensitive I seemed to be. All Mm. sorts of interesting revelations, teachings, and stuff just popped out to me. Mm -hmm. So what fasting is, is it's really killing your desire and denying your desire in order to receive and be open to God's desire coming to you, understanding God's thoughts. So you're you're putting yourself, you're positioning yourself into a receiving mode mm. and you're doing it by quieting all of those desires, the voices of all those desires in your life, whether it's a sexual desire, because First Corinthians 6, I believe it talks about husbands and wives abstaining for a time of prayer. So that's a physical fast, a sexual fast. You have people, it's a food fast. Why? Because hunger is one of our most nagging desires, right? You go throughout the day and that voice inside me says, don't you really want another kolache? Because, you know, <laughs> kolaches. Well, here's yeah. the thing that I've discovered the limited times I've fasted, that every time I fast, you have to fast from media as well. Because if you don't, when you're watching the news or something else, there will be a McDonald's commercial or some luscious-looking commercial with food galore. I mean, it's constant. So why be tempted? Just shut it off. So when you're fasting, be careful what you're listening and watching because you're going to be tempted to go eat something. And you just hit on a huge point, a media fast. Because what is media but one big megaphone stream of ideas nagging at you from all over the world. And a lot of it is just useless stuff. What, you know, TikTok. Hey, watch me do this. Hey, pay attention to me. Woo! All that garbage out there, you know, and Facebook, you know, if you agree with this, hey, share this with your friends. You know, all these memes coming down and political stuff and garbage. It's like, shut up. And you take a media fast and suddenly people go, for some reason, I hear God a lot better. <laughs> like, duh. <laughs> so let's get to the scripture and we'll see about fasting. Now, Jesus puts it into the terms of, you know, eating, fasting, that type of thing, food fasting. Verse 16, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. See, there's that seeking a reward thing from people rather than a reward from God. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward, recognition, verse 17. But Jesus says, when you fast, and he's talking to his disciples, put oil on your head and wash your face. Now, that sounds weird, but that was a common way of keeping yourself groomed, is you put oil on your head because that would help get the, you know, collect the dust. And then what you would do is you'd comb out the oil, it would take the dust with it. So it was a way, in a sense, of keeping your hair clean with oil as opposed to washing it with soap. It was a dry bath. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. 
Okay, so put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words, groom up a little, okay? Mm -hmm. Verse 18, why? So that your fasting isn't obvious to others. You're not doing it to be seen or to be recognized, but it's obvious to your father who is in secret, Mm. and your father who sees in secret will reward you. (laughs) I love that. Now, what Jesus is doing in this whole section is he's dealing with the right way to do Torah, and now he's saying how Torah affects your life, how you do life based on Torah. The Torah has a specific command about fasting. It's called the Day of Atonement. It's a day when you go on a complete and total fast. You're talking everything, absolutely everything. Why? Because the Day of Atonement is so important. You want to focus on God so that you can see your sin, confess it, and emerge from that day completely cleansed of sin. That's the idea. Now, there is other fasting that developed out of that. Uh, After the Babylonian exile, more fasts were added to commemorate horrible events. So the Babylonians breaking through Jerusalem's wall, that's Tisha B'Av, which is the ninth of Av, which happens in July. The Jews would fast as a sign of mourning for that and the destruction of the temple. There are other, the fast uh, that commemorates a Jewish governor back in the post-king days. You know, he was assassinated, so they had the fast of Gedalia in the fall time. So the expectation in Jesus' day is you are going to fast. It's a regular practice. In fact, the Pharisees fasted on Mondays and Thursdays. That was their practice. Hmm. So Jesus says, so when you do this, when you do this, this is how you do it, okay? You don't do it to get recognition. You do it for connecting with God. Go ahead. Well, there are some Christians who say, I'll fast, and that is a direct, a positive that I'll get what I'm I'm fasting for. So, you know, but that's not right either, is it? Just no, because I'm, a, going, I'm going to fast and show God how much, how serious I am, doesn't necessarily make God feel sorry for you and give you your desires, right? Right. Fasting is not a magic invocation, okay? You don't, it's not a magic formula. Okay. Fasting, again is something that helps you pray because it shuts down the the noise in your life so you can hear the Lord. Now, let me give you an example of the Lord's rebuke of wrong fasting. Jesus is not saying anything new here. If you go back to Isaiah 58, there's 12 verses in there that talk about, that indict Israel, how badly they're fasting and why they're doing it for the wrong way. Listen to this, Isaiah 58 Verse 1, cry out loudly, don't hold back, raise your voice like a ram's horn, tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day and delight to know my ways like a nation that does what's right and does not abandon the justice of their God. They ask me for right judgments and they delight in the nearness of God. So he's saying, yeah, they're doing this, but it's not working. Verse 3, they say, why have we fasted and you have not seen? We've denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. And this is the Lord's indictment. Look, you do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with the fist. You can't fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. Will the fast I choose be like this? The answer is no. It's ju- is it just a day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Verse 6, isn't this the fast I choose? 
to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see them and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? Then your light will appear like the dawn and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. Do you see how it's all connected with prayer? He's saying, don't fast this way but then live like hell. You think that's going to make you more acceptable to me or to turn you know, my ear toward your voice? No. Do what's right. And then when you fast, it will be for the right reasons and I will respond to you. And he says later in verse seven, you'll call out to me and then I'll say, here I am. Mm. I'm listening. That's the right way to fast, according to Isaiah. And Jesus, now going back to Matthew six, says, why do you fast? Is it for God, or are you fasting to be seen? Once again, what's the reward you seek? The hypocrite fasts for recognition and admiration. Those are the same wrong motives as voiced in giving and prayer. Don't do it for that. There's a right way to do this. I love that. Ready for it? Yeah, love it. I love it. You know, he's basically saying, you know, don't fast to get and don't fast to be seen. I mean, hey— fast so you can hear me better. Let me put it this way, and this is going to be really harsh, but this is the way I read this at times. If you're going to give, pray, and fast for the wrong motives, don't give, don't pray, don't fast. That's it. Because he says, if you're not doing it for the right motives, it's not going to help you. However, if you do it for the right motives, there's tremendous reward, and it comes from Father himself. Verse 17 and 18. This is a right way to fast with a right motive. Make yourself look good, or at least normal, so no one can guess your fast. Only God will know. And by the way, here's what a later rabbi says about fasting. This is a great quote. In no case should one boast of his fasts to others. And even though he is asked, he should try to evade the question except when he's fasted in expiation of his sins. In this case, acknowledgement may lead others to expiate their sins. In other words, if somebody talks to you, are you fasting? Avoid the topic and just change the thing. They don't need to know. Nobody needs to know but God. However, if it is a fast to forgive sins and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm fasting because I'm just not living for God, that might inspire others to do the same thing. You know, you're right. I'm not living for God. Maybe I need to take a time of prayer and fasting to make myself right. Then he says, that's a great motivation because now you're inspiring others to do the right thing for God. So Jesus' teaching is that our fasting is so ordinary, so unremarkable that it removes that man-made, that man-reward option and presents us purely for God's reward. Proper fasting, you're going to love this, proper fasting should be done under the radar without fanfare as should giving and prayer. There are public reasons, by the way, Amazing Larry, for giving, praying, and fasting. But if public, they should still be done for the right Mm -hmm. motivation for God alone. There is something powerful when a congregation comes together for corporate fasting and prayer, as long as they all do it for the same reason. There is great power in prayer, especially when it's been sharpened by fasting and clarified by fasting. 
don't know about you. I don't like to fast. Oh, <laughs> I really don't. It's a tough one. So I love all of that, especially that whole idea that fasting and prayer should be done under the radar. I love that. What a what a great image. So if in conclusion today, then what would you recommend for someone to fast? I mean, should they do it like the Pharisees on a regular basis, Monday, Thursday, or it, does it just come about whenever, or should there be a regular practice? What would you say? I'd say if you're starting out new, talk to God about it. Read about it in Scripture. Number two, there are great books out there. I think it's uh, it's by Derek Prince. It's like Changing History or Changing Life Through Prayer and Fasting. There are great books out there, even you know, even small pamphlets giving you ideas how to fast. If you choose to fast, start slow. Don't jump into a 40-day fast. You know, start start slow. Do a one meal a day. Choose a day if you want. Don't abuse your body. It's not to abuse you. It's to quiet you. I have noticed in a three-day fast that for the first day or even the second day of fasting that my body seems to put up a big fuss. But on the third day, it's like this divine quiet just settles in on me. And it's really an interesting feeling. Mm. And I find myself much more spiritually attuned, if you want to do it. My, my radar is up for God, okay? Uh, now, if you're going to fast, number one, make sure you're medically able to fast. Diabetics shouldn't really fast without a doctor's uh, specific guidance. But there's other ways to fast. Mm-hmm. Fasting is simply denying one's desires. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you can't do a food fast... What other desire do you have in life, like social media, mm-hmm. that would help? See, God honors the desire to put down your desires for his desire. Mm. That's the point. I'm tuning out the voices of whatever it is in order to listen to the Lord's voice. That's the big principle. You know, I decided that I'm going to do a fast, Truth Barista. I'm going to fast bringing you coffee every day. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I don't think that's a word from the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks, Truth Barista. It's been a great study, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, let's uh, let's dive into Matthew 6. There are some great things in there, too, that I'm sure going to tweak your buttons. This is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista podcast. The best way to find out when a new podcast drops is through RSS feed. Go to our website, look for the RSS button, press it, and then enter your email. You'll be notified when a new podcast drops. Thanks for listening.